what it is it's blake's takes for god's sake so wednesday podcast and what are we going to do this week i'm going to do the same thing i do every goddamn week i'm going to get high and i'm going to talk about movies baby and that's what this podcast is or maybe that's a different podcast and i'm confusing them but who the hell knows i can't be held responsible for shit because i have a stand-up comedy album that came out today live from the pandemic it's my third stand-up comedy album and it's my third by the age of 31 by the way how about that now if you think about it that is one album uh every 10 years which is not impressive but i've been doing stand-up for 15 years so if you look at it that way i've done three albums in 15 years which also now that i'm saying it does not sound impressive either but it is Okay, it's very impressive. I'm impressive. John Mulaney can rot in fucking hell. And uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. What, what, what I think should happen to John Mulaney. No, um, I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be interviewing myself about my own album. That's what we're going to do. Just when you thought that this podcast could not hit this level of narcissism. You fool. Uh, you fool, baby. Uh, it is. It is going to hit that level. Because I was thinking, oh, I could have one of my friends on, one of my talented friends, and they could interview me. But then I thought, why outsource when you have the golden goose in-house and that's what and i'm not in-house by the way right now i'm in airbnb because i am quarantining after flying and i'm locked down you shithead and i ain't got nothing to do but plug album so here's here's where we are um what am i going to talk about what am i going to talk about what am i going to interview myself about when will i say interview correctly we will find that will be addressed tonight and that i am recording this at night just like a real sicko so uh yeah that's what we're going to do this week by the way uh live at the pandemic it's out everywhere uh itunes blake wexler search that shit it's a beautiful purple cover made by uh brit boswell brit bos draws i believe is her instagram and if it's not well I may never know it. <laughs> I may never know what her proper Instagram is, and I may not plug it correctly, but I, uh, she did an amazing job, all right? And uh, it was recorded at Steel Stacks in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, yeah, you can get it today. By the way, if it's not on um, Spotify yet, if it's not on Google Play yet, if it's not on Amazon yet, it will be. Uh, some of these um, streaming platforms are a little slow with reviewing things because of, uh, I don't know, a pandemic apparently. So if it's not on there yet as at the recording of this podcast, I'm recording this Tuesday night, if you ask me, the scariest night of the week. So um, the night right before hump day, oh, if you think people ain't backed up tonight, you would be wrong. So that's what's going on. Um, very excited about it. Uh, so if it's not out on those platforms yet, it will be. And uh, it's great. It's my favorite album I've ever done. Um, and I will get into why as I interview myself. And, uh, and that's it. I already recorded this part um, multiple times. The first time I recorded it, uh, I ran out of battery. Which, and if you think I handled that situation well, you are mistaken. And then I recorded it again, but I was hot. So I was pissed off 
and I took a break. <laughs> I, I, I took a break for an hour, and now I'm back, and now I'm cold, but I'm in a great mood. So here's what we're going to do. First interview question of the goddamn podcast, and here we go. Actually, you know what? Nah, why, why would I play music right now? Why give myself more work? We're just going to do it. Here's the first question. Dear Blake from Blake, do you feel guilty about doing a show during the pandemic and releasing it as an album? Are you morally responsible if someone was to get sick at your show? Jesus fucking Christ. That is quite the hard-hitting question, but I like that. That's from hammering Hank Aaron himself, the great home run hitter, sent uh, sent in that question. So uh, do I feel, wow, fucking, I would have liked to have discussed at first, I don't know, maybe my favorite joke on the album, but you're asking me moral responsibility. Well, first of all, let me say that no one got sick at the show um, with COVID, and uh, so there's that. That's good. And by the way, if that was just luck, then you know I shouldn't feel good about that, but the show was uh, very safe and um, done very professionally and with safety in mind first. So, I guess I'll I'll guess I'll go about answering that. So this album was recorded in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, outside of the old Bethlehem Steel factory. And I'll get into that venue. It's one of it might be my favorite venue in the world. And uh, it's up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour outside of Philadelphia, I think two hours from New York. And, um, yeah, it's just, there's this amazing arts venue there called Arts Quest. And uh, it's a big entertainment complex next to Bethlehem Steel. They have, like, these concert venues outside. And they also have, like, a big movie theater, indoor venues, blah, blah, blah. But this was recorded. This is not a fucking ad for them. Um, no, but they're amazing. This honestly might be. So it was recorded outside. And, by the way, you hear people say, it's safe. It's social distance. And honestly, most of the time, I do believe when people say that, it's a way of justifying to ourselves that we're doing something that we should, when we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, you know, or something that we're nervous about. So I do think that is there, was there a risk that people would get sick at this? I, yeah, uh, period, you know, um, but was everything done to minimize that risk? Yes. And for that reason, I um, I feel like we were responsible. Therefore, I'm not responsible if people were to get sick. Uh, but I'm, I'm not saying this callously, by the way. I This was a big thing that I thought about throughout, like whether or not I was going to release this or not. Because, first of all, I did not... And here's some a little bit of background on the show. The show was uh, recorded outside. And to the point where uh, I was setting up, I didn't mean to record this as an album. And I'll talk about that uh, a little later. I just recorded this set for sentimental reasons because I knew or I had a feeling it would be my last set of 2020. And it was and is. But um, I wanted to record it just for sentimental reasons. Just to be like, hey, this is my last set and I have this on video. And it turned out so well. I'm That's what I'm releasing as the album. It's amazing. And um, the show was recorded or uh, the show was performed outside. Um, People were only sat with their party. Um, They were at tables, you know, spread out across. uh, Basically, it was an entertainment venue. I'm sorry, a concert venue that uh, they removed pretty much all the normal seating and made it really limited capacity and spaced people out in that space. So uh, in my opinion, it was very safe that way. Again, still still a risk. But um, 
it was very safe. It was also just for people who were members of this uh, group called Arts Quest, and which was basically uh, is basically the diehard fans um, of this uh, of Steel Stacks, where they pay a membership fee and they get to see all these cool shows. So, um, the show is happening anyway, and uh, I decided to do it. And that was a thing where, you know, I, I'm not at a point where I would do indoor shows yet. Um, they showed me how spaced out it was like with like a drone shot. And I'm like, yeah, I feel okay doing that. And if someone was to get sick at that, I would feel horrible. But I would know that, you know, these people made the decision to come see a show outside and uh, accepted the risks that go along with that. And I would still feel fucking horrific. It would really fuck me up if someone got sick. But um, I think because of how safe it was and how much work went into that, that, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I don't feel like I was compromising my morals or other people's morals. So yeah. And then I recorded it. It came out great. And I'm like, when do I release this? And then the surge happened, another surge. So the, the thing that I was considering throughout the entire process of whether or not I release this as an album is I knew I was going to release it, but when, because you don't want to come off tone deaf, you know? And in my head, I was nervous that, oh, there's a, people are, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. Over, over, like over, millions of people have this thing. And is it inappropriate for me to be like, hey, here's some jokes, you know? And that's the thing that I thought about. Uh, is it tone deaf to release a stand-up album during a pandemic? And I think it is isn't i think and this is just my opinion where i believe that these people hopefully it makes people laugh you know like i do hope this thing brings happiness to people and can give them like even like a half an hour break from this goddamn thing but that being said i'm not doing i didn't just do the album as like oh and i am i am the great giver of laughs and that is my role in society to heal that's not why I, i did it for selfish reasons you know i want people to hear how funny i am i want to make some money off of this thing that is the primary reason that i'm releasing this um but that being said i don't feel like it's tone deaf because it is hopefully a thing that can bring people you know a break give you a little break again i'm not some fucking you know uh i'm trying to say martyr and then i was gonna say pauper and i was gonna say monk but i'm not some selfless fuck that's like i shall heal the world it's not it's not what it is so um yeah and also i you know when i was naming it like uh the name of the album again is live from the pandemic where the original title that I wanted to call it, uh, I was going to call it Alive from the Pandemic. No bit. That's what I was going to call it. Because in my mind, I was like, okay, that's a that's a clever play on words. And it's a silly title. And it also says the fact that it was recorded during a pandemic, which is what I wanted to get across. But then I realized, wait, what is the play on words there? It's Alive. Why is there a play on words there? Because Alive insinuates or implies that people are dying. That's why the play on words that it was there. I'm like, Oh, that's not the joke I want to make. You know, I don't want to make fun of people dying. That's fucking terrible. So I took the a off, called it live from the pandemic. And, uh, I'm really, really happy with it. I feel like it was responsible. The, uh, the recording came out great. And, um, honestly, I think this is the best representation of, uh, of my comedy as a standup. 
And honestly, and here's another thing, another reason why I'm, you know, releasing it. I always like, I have this obsession in my life with thinking about how years, years from now, what am I going to think about my life? Or years from now, will I have done things that I'm proud of and can look back on and be like, oh shit, that was cool. And that's what, in my opinion, recording an album safely during the pandemic is where hopefully this never happens again. And how many albums are going to have been recorded in a safe way by accident during the pandemic? And I just think it's such a weird, unique thing where I'm so loose. uh, I don't know the albums being recorded. It is all material that has never appeared on an album before. And I'm talking about the pandemic as well during the pandemic, which is such a unique perspective where... You know, when I look back on this, it's not going to be from the perspective of, you know, after the pandemic's over and you're like, wow, guys, Jesus, remember, wasn't that fucked up? It's me going, hey, guys, this is fucked up because we're still in the uh, the heart of it. So I do think it'll be interesting years from now to hear someone speaking and doing stand up during the pandemic. And that person uh, happens to be me. So, uh, yeah. To answer your question, do I feel guilty about it? No, but that doesn't mean I didn't take it really, really seriously. And uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of stand-ups, um, not, not too many would judge uh, people doing outdoor shows, but I know there are some that uh, hate that people are doing stand-up at all right now. So I'm sure they won't like uh, the fact that I'm doing an album. But if those few people listen to this and they still feel that way, um, well, then, then uh, they're cunts. And that's that's all I have to say. <laughs> so there is that section. Uh, took it all really, really seriously, of course. Um, didn't want to come off tone death and didn't want to, you know, um, you know, uh, minimize uh, how much uh, shit everyone's going through. So, yeah, hopefully you like it. And that is uh, that's the first section. And here is the next question I'm going to ask myself. How did not knowing you were recording an album affect your performance? Great question, Blake. So. That is a uh, that by the way that question's referencing the fact. So I got to the venue, and I alluded to this before. I I was going now. By the way, in stand up, I always, almost always bring a, my tripod, and I put my phone on it, and I record all my sets. So it's I would say a so I could post clips online. B if I do something cool. Uh, that like I've never done before, I will have record of it, and I can either do that in a future performance or release that as well. And then, um, yeah, I guess the C part is uh, I can you know tighten up my act a little bit by watching it. Uh, so I was doing that with this performance, and the um, basically the guy who runs uh, Steel Stacks, the uh, com- comedy director, artistic director, his name's Ryan Hill, who's uh, an awesome, funny guy. And I was like, hey, man, where's a, an okay place for me to set up this camera? And he goes, uh, I don't think you're going to want a recording of this set. <laughs> and he wasn't saying it like, oh, this is going to be a bad show or Blake, you suck. Maybe he was saying the second one. But the reason why he said that is recording an outdoor show, it, it's like almost impossible to get a good recording from an outdoor show or even have a good performance during an outdoor show because there's so many factors doing stand up uh with without you know all these outdoor factors like without any you know um variables is difficult enough 
right? Because you don't know what the audience is going to be like. You don't know, oh, maybe you'll forget a joke. Uh, maybe you will, like the audience will, like the person who went up before you had such high energy that your energy isn't going to work. Like there's so many variables already. And then you add in helicopters flying over. Uh, what if it's too cold? What if a bird lands on something? There's bugs. You know, there's all this other shit that you have to deal with and sound issues that performing a show outside and recording it on paper is a horrific idea. But I, I just didn't listen. I recorded it anyway. Um, because I put my mask on and put the uh, set up my camera in the audience because I was like, just what if I get a cool, you know, something cool happens, you know? And also, it was my last performance of this year, and I thought it would be a cool thing to have and send to my parents. So I set it up. The show went great, and uh, I listened to it, or like I, I watched the recording, and it sounds incredible. And the audience sounds great where it sounds I'm like, oh, my God, what if this almost sounds like I set up, you know, 18 microphones and had it professionally edited. It's it's unbelievable. By the way, if you think I'm not about to take a sip of my water out of a red solo cup because that's the only receptacle we have in this place, you're wrong. So here comes an Airbnb sip. Oh, God, that's good. That's good wet shit. So, um set up the camera and this is how uh so what was my question how did not knowing you were recording an album affect my performance it made it a million times better now it's in that there was no pressure and in my previous two albums when i was recording it it's not pressure in necessarily in terms of nerves where i'm like oh my god i'm so nervous like i hope this goes well it's when I go on stage, I'm like, this is, I am what I am. If I'm prepped the correct way, I'm going to be as great as I can be. And if the audience doesn't like it, that's, it is what it is, you know? And in past albums, uh, it just, you know, the, the pressure of it was honestly um, resources and financial. And that for my first uh, album, you know, this is, uh, this might be a little inside baseball, but I released it in 2016. It's called the Blake album, and I self-released that one. So I paid, I believe, almost $2,000, $1,600, $1,700 to have someone uh, record it, edit it, um, edit it, and do this, like the engineering, set up the microphones, and he was incredible. His name's Alex, by the way, if you ever want to... Uh, uh, put me in touch. If you're a comedian, you want someone to record your album or something, he's amazing. So um, he did that for me. And But that issue is that, oh shit, like I sold out Helium. It was great. I was, I was on, the album came out great. But the pressure is, oh shit, what if I bomb and I'm out $2,000? You know, so that was that pressure. Then my second album, which I did in 2018, I did with a record label. And uh, Audible, I did it with Audible, and uh, I think Blonde Medicine owns it now or something. Who the fuck knows? So I didn't have to pay for anything to uh, to record that album. The label paid for everything. That being said, they take 50% of everything, and I will go into that later. But uh, that was more of a pressure where, oh, shit, like, now I invited all these, you know, quote-unquote industry people from Los Angeles to come see me. Uh, I have one show. So the thing is like, what if uh, like a, a malfunction happens and we have to do it again and now I have to do all this shit over again. By the way, for that show, I was originally supposed to record it at the old Meltdown Theater, which is this famous 
um venue it's where uh jonah and kumail nanjiani had their uh jonah nanjiani and kumail nanjiani had uh their comedy central show that was there and they taped there and that's where i was supposed to record it and then a few weeks out uh i was notified that that place was shutting down so where i was where i was so excited to record that album it uh they shut it down which is annoys me to this day but anyway um so that was the pressure there but for this album there was no pressure because i thought i was just having a regular set you know so i was super loose um i didn't care if i riffed something and it didn't you know land and i do riff a lot on this album and improvise which is uh one of my which i'm so happy that i did because it's weird to evaluate yourself as a stand-up and to talk about what makes you good and riffing in my improv is one of the things that I think makes me as good of a comedian as I am it's actually some would say it's the only thing um I'm very very proud of my writing but you know the improv and the riffing is shit that I I think very few people can do and in past albums I didn't do I pretty much did no riffing whatsoever because that's how I thought an album should be does that make sense like I wasn't doing something like uh I wasn't I was I wasn't doing Blake Wexler I was doing what's the best version of a comedian rather than the best version of what I do does that make sense and it's a it's a thing now where like and the pandemic has kind of helped with this where I'm like you know what just fucking trust your instincts and just do whatever the fuck you want based off your experience and who cares what how things are conventionally done or how uh you think things should be or how like you've approached things in the past like who gives a shit because i had this idea with albums with stand up albums that the way that they should be and this is from this is one of the drawbacks i think from starting so young is uh, I started stand-up when I was 15, and I was very impressionable. And I would listen to comedians talk, and I've been listening to these comedy podcasts like my entire life, where you would hear comics say that, like, you know, my, my Letterman set, it was super tight, airtight, and it's a, it's a showcase of your writing, and no fluff. And then, a, like, a, a stand-up comedy album is all material. It should be a showcase of your material and your material only. And I always thought that where my first album, I didn't riff at all. And I'm very proud of it. You know, like I do take pride in my writing and I love turn of phrase and, you know, like the uh, the topics that I'm doing jokes on. But there's nothing I have more fun doing or that I or that I'm better at than in the moment doing something, you know. And and I think that's I don't think like that's what happens here where, you know, I, I interact with the crowd. I comment on me fucking something up. Um, it's uh, it's a cool showcase of my writing because there's a lot of great jokes in this thing. But I think also, you know, just me having fun and it's just what it's like to see me live, you know. So if you hear this and you like this, this is basically what you're going to see in person. Different material uh different circumstances but i think this is an amazing representation of what i do all right you fucking hear me do you hear me is this on am i recording so yeah that's uh that answers that question how did not knowing you were recording an album affect your performance it made it a lot better and uh in the future when i record hopefully a special or 
you know, whatever it is, I am going to approach it loose and just be like, honestly, I'm not going to skip stick to the script. I'm going to have the script and I'm going to have it, uh, you know, I'm going to nail it as, uh, as closely as I can, but I'm also going to allow for, uh, being in the moment and riffing next. This album is completely self-produced, Blake. Uh, how does that compare with your first two albums? Well, Blake, I kind of already mentioned that before and, you know, being fully aware of these questions before this podcast since I wrote them and am reading them to myself, um, I kind of already addressed this. But uh, I will go a little bit more into this question. Again, maybe if you were listening to me, you, Blake, uh, you wouldn't have asked this question. But I guess I'll go into this a little bit. Again, there was no overhead on this. So... Um, I didn't have to pay anything to record it uh, because I just recorded it on my phone and it somehow came out great. And uh, another big thing with like I did it with the the record company or the record company. What am I fucking 90,000 years old with the uh, label is the cool thing about doing it with a label is they pay for everything. So they paid uh, the engineer's salary. Uh, They gave the engineer all the equipment. Um, who was Aristotle, by the way, from Todd's podcast, who did an amazing job. Um, they paid uh, my friend Britt, who did the cover of Stuff Boy, as well as uh, this album that I just did. Um, they paid for her, and they paid for the editing of it, and like the publicist, and all this other shit. So they paid for everything. However, they keep 50% of everything that I made. Gross. I think that makes... Isn't that... And by gross, I mean disgusting. Um they uh so here's how the breakdown works if you're interested in this of what i get paid um for uh what's it called for these things so for instance think uh for itunes for instance i keep about 40 percent or they take like 30 percent last time i checked say they take 40 percent okay so if i charge ten dollars for an album i get six dollars from that but then if I was to do it with a record label, I would get $3 because they take 50% of that. So if I sell an album for 10 bucks, I get 30% and I don't pay a manager or an agent right now. So if I had a manager or an agent, you would take away another 50% of that. So I would get like $2, $3, fucking crazy. Um, and then with Amazon, it's even worse. And with Pandora, if you listen on Pandora, I, so for, I recently got like, uh, like some earnings or whatever, like where they like take all the streaming services and they tell you how many times your thing was played and then they cut you a check. So in a couple month period, my standup was played on Pandora 63,000 times and I got $40 from that. So that's the money that we're, we're talking about with residuals and, uh, and royalties. Now, uh, however, don't feel bad for me because if I start, you know, the more albums I get, the more royalties I get. And once they start playing, I don't have to fucking do anything, you know? Um, so that is, uh, that's a good thing. No overhead. I keep everything. Also, there is a weird thing in that, like, I'm proud of doing this all by myself and that <clears throat> I hate, so the entertainment business, uh, I would say nearly every day makes me want to like just get to the like to a curb, you know, like a busy curb. Uh, 
does does even have to be a curb maybe the side of size side of like a highway you know with cars going by and then just poke my head out like at the last second and have my head just get decapitated by a fucking truck so that's what the entertainment business makes me want to do it makes me want to kill myself death by vehicle every single goddamn day i want to be manslaughtered bitch and uh so yeah with this the fact that I can cut out that business, by the way, the record label I did my album with was incredible. Like they were great. I don't have any complaints about that. I'm just talking about how much more rewarding it is to do it yourself. And this, I edited it myself, recorded it myself. Um, I did pay Britt to do the, uh, the cover, which she did an amazing job on. Cause I can't do that myself, but um, was more than happy to do that. Cause she's a friend and then and she does like the best the best the best job um and then also it's just like fuck you look what i did i just i circumvented the entire business i put it online myself and it gets the same distribution that it would get if i did it with a label because that's the thing too um if you're a comedian you're looking to release an album do it yourself because one of the unless you don't have any money to record it in which case like i mean I understand why you would do it with a label. That's what happened to me last time. But if you have the money to record it, do it yourself because you keep 100% of the profits. And if you can do this shit, like do it because one of the appeals of doing it with a label the first time was the fact that uh, they had a publicist and I thought that would get more people to listen to it. But I'm doing this thing myself and I've already gotten like three, four times more press than the publicist did which makes sense because if someone's going to write about your album or promote it you know with if a publicist reaches out they're still going to do it if you reach out you know like if they're not going to promote your shit either way like if a publicist is like hey i have this nobody they want uh you want to like like uh review their album they're gonna be like no and if you reach out and be like hey i'm a nobody you want to uh you want to like review my album? They'll be like, no, it's the same answer, but you get to keep more of the fucking zero dollars. <laughs> Does that make sense? And I'm, I'm being self-deprecative there, but that's why you should just do it your fucking self. Unless it's, I've heard of a few cool labels that are great, but you know, if you can do it yourself, if you have that skill set or, you know, you have a few, I'm, I'm, I guess, lucky where I know how to edit sound and, you know, do pre- like press and set that shit up. But if you can have a friend do it, have someone help you and just own the shit yourself. So that's that question. All right. And and it's, you do feel like a sense of pride about it. Final interview question of this of this podcast. And my stomach is rumbling like so many rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. So I, I don't know why I just I apologize that that is unacceptable. And I need to have a sip of water after that disgusting joke. By the way, I am staring a, a Claritin liquid gel in its goddamn face. I've been doing it the whole podcast. And if that hasn't added something to the podcast, I don't know what else to do for you people. Hey, Paul, have you gotten that fucking shipment I sent you, by the way? Huh? And by the way, the rest of the patrons, you will. You will get your special hello. And if, if it's the last thing I do, you'll probably get it next week. And I don't know why that would mean it's the last thing I do, but hey, fuck it. So here is the next question. Final questions about the album. Um, but like, what are your favorite moments from the album? Great, 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 great question. So uh, I would say first off, 
the album literally begins where I um, do not know where the microphone is. And they did uh, a very safe thing. Oh, and by the way, a little background here too. So I had two warm-up shows before I did this album. Didn't know they were warm-up shows. And I talked about this on a, on a previous podcast. But the first one, I was closing out the punchline um, in Philadelphia, Northern Liberties. And I did 20 minutes, and I was good. My riffing was good as ever. This was my first set in seven months, where previously I think the longest I had taken off from stand-up was two weeks. Uh, I was funny. I was good, but I wasn't sharp with my jokes. You know, Second performance, I was back to normal. And this performance, funnier, as funny as ever, but also uh, there is another moment that happened that I'll talk about in a minute. So... As um, all the performers, we all had our own microphones. So Steel Sacks, uh, uh, the other comedians were um, Janir, who is a, a great comic, and uh, my friend Chip, uh, who many of you probably know, and then myself. And uh, everyone had their own microphone. And when Janir would introduce us, she would exit stage right and we'd walk in from the other side of the stage. So we would never, ever have to, like, play with a wire they were all wireless microphones and i thought it would be cool if i had like my my microphone sticking out of my back pocket just like a fucking baller and it did look cool but the problem was is when i took the stage i forgot it was in my pocket so i walked out there and normally when you walk on stage like if i have a like you know like a water or a drink or notes i uh, like i wave to the crowd i put that on a stool and then i go and i take the mic out of the mic stand and begin so i did that put my set list on the stand cuz i was doing a longer set um put my drink down my water and then i go to find the mic stand but there is no mic stand because of covid so i'm like i have no where the fuck is the microphone? Where is my... Did I walk... Is there no microphone? Because it's so weird. Because that's a thing, too, doing a show during the pandemic, is that the things that you're... That is so mechanical and so a part of what you do on stage for 15 years, it's not there anymore. So generally, like a fucking robot, I'm like, walk up to a stool, put things down, grab mic, talk. You know, like it's just such a thing that I've done my entire life. But then you remove a part of that equation. And as great as I am thinking on my feet and riffing, it's like... Oh, oh no, do I not? And then I found it in my back pocket. So it was in my pocket the entire time and that panic uh, was not warranted. Or I guess it was warranted, but it turned out okay. So that is, uh, I addressed that right off the bat. Then another uh, funny moment is I do a joke about spiders and I ask the audience about like, what's your like least favorite spider? And this guy, this has happened twice now where someone goes the black ones, which is, you know, obviously with a current, like it's obviously they mean black spiders, but you should have the, as a white person, the wherewithal not to ever say the black ones ever, ever. And this person goes the black ones. And then I riff about that saying like, Oh, you, you just, you can't say that shit anymore. Um, but it is wild that people would just say that. So that was a fun moment. Um, another fun moment on it is uh, I forget a punchline, which is probably the best moment of the entire al- uh, album where I have this joke or I've been working on this joke. And honestly, like I don't even know if it has a punchline yet. So I had a new punchline for it. But when you don't do stand up in a while, uh, you know, 
when I'm like humming with stand-up, I can remember like every single laugh line of every single joke. And I was rolling along with this bit about like the phrase goosebumps. And I get to the punchline and normally, and this is not abnormal to be going through a joke and not knowing what you're going to say next. And then it just comes to you. Like that's totally normal. And you just trust after doing it for so long that it's going to come to you. And that's what I thought was going to happen. And then I got to the punchline and it just never came. I never knew. I never, it never arrived. And, uh, and that's how we wound up with that moment, which um, I think everybody will love. I'll post a uh, clip of that as well while I'm promoting this thing. And then um, the final moment is that, uh, and this was, by the way, it does come across on audio, but you know it was more of a visual thing at the moment where when you get at the end of your set, uh, when you're doing stand-up, you, uh, there's the light. And a lot of people think, some people think, oh, you get the light if you suck and they want you to get off the stage. That's not the case. Uh, you get the light where before your set, say I'm doing like 45 minutes, they'll be like, hey, Blake, when do you want the light? And I'm like, oh, will you give it to me when I have five minutes left? Because then I know, okay, I have uh, my long bit, which is my closer to do last, or I have two more bits left. So I get the light, you acknowledge it, and then you wrap out your set. So here, um, and often it'll be a phone. So if you're doing a show, like uh, rarely in a com in a comedy club, they have like an actual designated, you know, uh, X amount of minutes left light in the ceiling, you know, like they have a specific light for that. But generally at stand-up shows, the producer or the booker will just wave their phone at you in the back. So by the way, here's something fun. If you want to go to a stand-up show and you don't like what's going on on stage, uh, you can just wave your phone at the comedian and they will get off stage in one to five minutes. <laughs> Seriously, do not do that. And if you do, do not tell uh, anyone that I told you to do that. Do not do that, honestly. Uh, no bit, do not do that. So the producer, uh, Addison, gave me the light, but I couldn't see it because there were like umbrellas up outside or like or like a part of the building was walking her. So I see her standing and I'm doing a joke about like how menu, I've been seeing a trend where menus have have like, like weird names for food, like joke names for food on it, you know, like perverted names. And, uh, that's what the joke was. And there's one of my favorite pizza places in LA have a pizza called the balls deep. And I'm doing that joke. And I see, I always like give a quick point to the, uh, to the producer or to the person lighting me. So they know, I know. And I'm doing the joke. I can't see her. So I say, oh, yeah, and then there's a pizza called The Balls Deep. And then I crouch down a little bit, and I see the light, and I just, like, point and smile. And I realize that the people who were in my eye line, there were audience members. So they didn't know about the light thing. They just say, see me go, balls deep. And then I, point, I pointed and smiled at a stranger in the audience after saying that. And uh, that was a moment that dawned upon me while I was – in the moment that oh shit this is actually really funny that this just happened because they have no idea what the hell i'm talking about so that's another moment during the thing that uh that i enjoy hopefully i didn't spoil too much and uh yeah so blake wexler live at the pandemic my third ever album is available now hopefully everywhere if not everywhere everywhere very very soon um yeah this thing you know 
you're listening to this today, uh, I was on Preston and Steve this morning, hopefully. Uh, hopefully you heard that unless something happened. And then I'm going to be on Daily Zeitgeist, which you'll probably hear tomorrow, which is a great podcast. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out for me doing more. You know, this is the kind of thing I'm just going to keep doing uh, shit promoting this because like what else is there? Like how much shit is coming out right now? And uh, yeah. I really fucking am proud of this album, you guys. So definitely uh, do me a favor. Give it a listen. I hope you like it. I hope you love it. And um, thank you to everybody for letting me promote this and uh, for Steel Stacks for putting me on stage and letting me do it. Jesus Christ. It was a huge deal. Huge deal. You hear how excited I am to do stand-up again. Um, And now I feel like I'm just rambling, so I'm going to go. But anyway, Blake Wexler... Live at the Pandemic, it's called. Um, it's definitely on iTunes now. And then, uh, yeah, you can get it anywhere. And I appreciate all of you so much. And you know what? You deserve better than me plugging something for 40 minutes. But that's all I have. This has been Blake Loves Movies. Enjoy your week, everybody. And I'll be back on Friday for the patrons. I love you all. Goodbye. Blake! Blake Blake Wexler, Blake, Blake, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler, Blake, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler.